Today on the Forest City Church Elgin podcast, worship leader Carrington Gaines has the message titled X Factor. Well, first I want to I want to say give a huge shout out cuz I know he's watching um cuz he texted me this morning asking what jersey I had on. So I want to give a huge shout out to Carter um and him uh, trusting, trusting me to come up here and do something that I'm not necessarily comfortable with all the time, but I'm going to try to get as comfortable as I can. And the staff, I mean, like, come on, man, y'all have some great leadership here in Elgin. CP Lenny D, Andy up here holding it down week in and week out. Y'all got some great leadership, man. I honor y'all. I love y'all. I thank y'all for always pushing me and encouraging me. Um, so if you don't know, I'm Carrington Gaines. I'm the worship director here. Okay, all right. Yeah, so, I, I, you know what? It was kind of funny. I was thinking in my head, like, I'm going to say I'm carrying games. People are like, all right, so now who are you? Because I ain't been here in like three weeks. And there's so many of y'all that I don't know yet. Um, so it was just kind of like, oh, okay, well, who, who is this guy? And then why does he have a hat on teaching the word? Um, Um, But um, I'm Carrington Gaines, and I'm I'm the worship director at Forest City Church. So when you don't see me here, I'm in Rockford. And in Rockford, when they don't see me there, I'm here in Elgin. So I promise I love y'all both the same. It's just a little weird trying to figure out where I need to be on a given Sunday. Um, But I need to give one more shout-out before I I get going. My wife, babe, can you you, you, come on, come on, stand up. Don't do that. 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 Now, I don't know about y'all, but I got me a good thing. Fellas, I don't know about you, but I got me a good thing. And um, I'm so grateful. She's my best friend. Um, she's my, like, confidant. She's my support. She's my, she's my rock, and I love you. I love you so much. Um, all right, all right. See y'all getting all mushy. Um, so, as you guys don't know yet, but next week we're going to be starting a series called uh, Teach Us to Pray, Right? But what you guys have here that Rockford didn't get is like a warm-up message to the series. Today, that's what today is going to be. It's going to be a warm-up message that hopefully gives you momentum and motivation going into this next series of prayer and fasting. Okay? All right? But one thing I need from y'all before I get going, I'm going to come out a little closer. Before we get going, church, I know a lot of us are from different backgrounds. Some of us have Catholic backgrounds, Episcopal backgrounds. Some of us have fire baptized backgrounds. I came up in a Pentecostal church, okay? Oh, yeah, yeah. So that means, listen, I came up in a Pentecostal church. So that that means every Sunday there was the speaking of tongues and the interpretation. There was people rolling on the floor and there was all types of crazy stuff. It got a little loud where I'm from. Now, I'm not saying that we're about to become Forest City Pentecostal church. That's not what I'm saying. So hear me, that's not what I'm saying. But what I do need today is y'all to talk back to me. Uh, uh, See, 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 y'all, y'all too quiet already. I said what I need from you today is to talk back to me, all right? So, 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 so if something, if something touches your spirit, you don't have to be quiet. I'm not used to TED Talks. That's not my thing. I need, I I, I like when y'all talk because it lets me know that you're engaged with me. You're there with me, okay? You're in the message with me, all right? All right, so let's get it going. Um, it's the band. Y'all going to have to, oh, wait, but y'all still there. Eddie just went out. Okay, that's good. That's good because we're going to ride today. Um, by the show of hands, how many of you feel like you're extraordinarily gifted in the room? Ooh, extraordinarily gifted in the room. How many of y'all feel like you? By the lack of hands, I'm in the right place this morning. I'm in the, I'm in the right place. 
Um, because more often than not, all of us just feel like, yeah, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just me. I'm just, uh, I, I'm, I teach during, you know, my day to day, or I'm just a stay at home dad or stay at home mom. I'm just, I'm just ordinary. And, and for most of my life, I felt that same way. Um, it was about up until about 2007. I was in the basement with uh, my cousins, Jeray and Jordan. And we were in the basement, and, and, and my cousin Jordan had this ringtone on his phone. Who still uses ringtones? You, you still use a ringtone? Brad, did somebody else still use ringtones too? Brad still, Brad still uses ringtones. Um, y'all, need to, y'all need help. It's 2022. Um, but... But I heard my cousin had this ringtone on his phone, and it was this song by John Legend called Ordinary People. And I could remember, like, because Jordan was a really popular dude when we was kids, and his phone would just ring and ring. So I remember the first couple times, the first couple times he was singing it, I just, his, the phone was ringing, I say, oh, oh, man, that's a dope song, man. I like that. that. That's speaking to me a little bit. And then I started, oh, ordinary people. I'm just trying to hum along, like, mm, hell no, which way to go. I'm like, all right, okay, cool. By about the 25th time that evening, by about the 25th time, like the song came on, the, the ringtone started again, and I was just, we're just ordinary people. We don't know which way to go. Because we're ordinary people. Maybe we should take it slow. Do y'all know it? Come on, sing it. Take it slow, oh. Oh, all right, all right, Brad, all right, all right. See, 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 see. Because listen, there was a different time in life. I was singing that somewhere else. It wasn't a church. And I tear that club up, I'm telling you. But that's not what we're here today to do today. We're here for Jesus, amen. Um, but, 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 but then my cousin, he stopped me. He said, yo, PC, what? Like, because they, they call me PC because my first name is Philip. My second, my middle name is Carrington. So if y'all ever hear somebody saying that, that's why. Um, but he stopped me and said, yo, P, man, when you, when you start singing. And I was like, because I, I didn't know. I was just like, oh, I, did, I didn't know I could, like, sing. He was like, no, man, you can, like, sing, sing. I was like, really? He was like, bro, like, not, like, make a joyful noise to the Lord. Like, you can sing, like, bro. And I said, oh, shoot. Well, what do we got here? Maybe your boy is a little bit different. Maybe there is something special about me. Um, so time went on, and I was like, I, I developed my gift a little bit. I started using it in different ways, but there still felt something. There was still something in me that still just felt ordinary. You know, um, and I feel like that's probably a few of us here today where it's like, yeah, I know I got something because Mims didn't raise his hand. And we know Mims is nothing like <laughs> it's nothing ordinary about that young man. Um, but that's that's how that's how a lot of us feel, though. It's like, yeah, I know I got something, but I still just feel ordinary. But one of the things that I realized on this journey of discovery of like discovering what God gave me and the giftings that he gave me and how to use them, I, I, I discovered this phrase that I heard being taught all, all along while I was growing up. God wants to use ordinary people to do extraordinary things. I'm going to say that again. God wants to use extraordinary, ordinary people to do extraordinary things. And we see it all through scripture. I mean, Jesus, he was the son of a carpenter. We see it with the little boy. He has some fish and some, and some bread, and it, fell, and it fed 5,000. God wants to use ordinary people to do extraordinary things. 
And while I was prepping this message, it was this equation that, that I came up with. Now, I know I came up with this myself, so if you take it and, and teach it in your own space, it's coined by your boy, all right? But it was like when I was going through my, my prep, it was this equation that says ordinary plus X equals extraordinary. Ordinary plus X equals extraordinary. How many math like lovers do we have in the room? Oh, yeah. So y'all going to be with me today because right? I'm going to be saying that a whole lot today. So ordinary plus X equals extraordinary. And I, and I hope and I pray that by the end of this message, we'll have a clear understanding of what that X means. We'll have a clear understanding of how to get us living or get us from living ordinary in life to making an extraordinary impact. Amen, church. Amen. Let us pray. Father God, thank you. Thank you for today. Thank you for what you're doing in this space in Forest City Church, Elgin Campus. Father, we love you. We feel your spirit so strong in this place today. Use this message to touch a heart. Open the ear. Give hope again. We pray in Jesus Christ's name. And the church said, amen. All right, let's get into it. So what I want to do is I want to look at my favorite um, Bible hero. Uh, and his name is David. How many David fans do we have? Okay, I know, I know Jesus. Jesus is the king. He's the Lord. But that's like, you know, Jesus is like Michael Jordan in a way. Like, you don't compare nobody to Michael Jordan. He's in a league of his own. You know, I, I had to look at, I like to look at different different characters where I could see, okay, my life aligns a little bit more there. And David was that for me as I was like first learning how to like read the Bible. Um, but I, and he, and he ended up being a great king, one of the greatest of all time of the children of Israel. But I don't want to go there. I want to go back to where he was first mentioned in the Bible. I want to go back to when he was just a teenager. I want to go back to that time because back then he was, he was an extremely gifted musician. Extremely gifted. Brad, don't leave me, doc. You, you left me. Um, he's extreme. He was an extremely gifted musician. Um, he was so good that literally he'll start playing, right? He'll start playing this, this, it was a string instrument called a lyre. He would start playing and literally evil spirits, demonic spirits would start leaving the room. That's how good, I mean, now, Brad, Brad, play, play as good as you can. I mean, he's good, but I mean, the demons ain't leaving, is they? I mean, I'm just saying. But I mean, hey, matter of fact, this is Brett. That's your first Sunday back since he's been at our Rockford campus helping out. Yo, man, sh show my man some love real quick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I forgot about that. My bad. I should have did that up front. Um, but he was an extremely gifted musician. But that doesn't mean that, that in his everyday life he wasn't looked at as anything other than what? Ordinary. Yeah, y'all get it. See, I like this kind of interaction. I like it. I like it. So let's go to 1 Samuel 16. I'm going to give a little context. There's no slide there. Don't, so don't put it up yet. Not yet. Um, I'm going to give a little context. The prophet Samuel was going to Bethlehem to anoint a new king. Because at this point in history, the king of Israel was Saul. And Saul had got a little crazy at this point in life. He, he, was, he had this thing where he wanted to be king, but he also wanted to play God. In our society, we would call that narcissism. Okay, that's what that's what Saul was. He was that kind of guy. So God told Samuel, hey, go grab a flask of oil, go grab a heifer and go to Bethlehem and meet a man named Jesse, because I'm going to I'm going to anoint one of his sons as the next king of Israel. Samuel gets to Bethlehem, right? Samuel gets to Bethlehem and he, and he, and he sees Jesse and he's like, OK, hey, how many, you know, where your sons at? How many sons you got? Sam, I mean, Jesse was like, yeah, I got seven kids, which was a bold faced lie. But we're going to get to that a little bit later. 
We're going to get to that a little bit later. He said, I got seven sons. So Samuel says, hey, Jesse, go prepare the feast. Get your house in order because we're about to have a party tonight because I'm about to, not, I'm about, I'm about to anoint one of your sons as the next king. So Jesse says, hey, boys, go ahead. Hey, get your Sunday's best on. Go shower. Put on your Old Spice. Do everything you need to do because it's about to be a party tonight. Right? So, 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 so that, uh, Jesse goes. He gets the grill going. He cuts up the cow. He puts everything on it. It's, it's getting all beautiful. And it's, it's, be, it's about to be a beautiful celebration. And that's where I want to pick up the text. When I pick up the text, it's, it's 1 Samuel 16, 6 through 7. When they arrived... Samuel took one look at Eliab and thought, surely this is the Lord's anointed. But the Lord said to Samuel, don't judge by his height, for I have rejected him. Don't judge by his height or appearance, because I have rejected him. The Lord doesn't see things the way you, do see, the way you see them. People judge by outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. So, if we had time, I would, I would, go, and, I would go and show you that. Like Samuel tried to take old vision into a new season. He tried to take old vision into a new season because when when he saw when he saw when he saw Saul when he first anointed Saul as king Saul was head and shoulders above everybody else. He looked the part of a king. It was nothing that nobody could say like yo this is this got to be it. It's just like when you see Josh Allen playing for the Buffalo Bills. It's like this is the best quarterback in the league. It's got to be it. That's how we feel. That's how it was for that yeah I know I know I know. I know. Um, but that's how it was. So when 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 Samuel saw when Samuel saw Eliab, he's like, yo, well, he's the biggest brother. He looks really nice. He looks like the king. And God says, No, we're not making that same mistake again. I'm going after a king after my own heart. So Jesse paraded all six of the boys, all, all seven of the boys in front of him. And what he would do is he would have this horn of oil. He would have a horn of oil and make all the boys walk by him. And if the oil did not flow from the horn, that means God had rejected him. So I have to believe that at that point, Samuel was probably looking like, had the craziest look on his face and just like, man, now this is the only Jesse on the block. The, the oil didn't flow on none of them. What's happening? Like did did I did I hear I know I, did I hear wrong what what what's what's happening and this is where this is where it gets really crazy in this next this next uh, uh, passage but I want to go to the message translation um, uh, 1 Samuel 16 11 through 13 it says this then he asked Jesse is this it are there no more sons and then Jesse replied well yes there's the runt and he's out tending the sheep. Now, I'm going to stop there. Yeah, yeah, wait, wait, no, don't stop. I'm going to stop there real quick. Now, if you don't know the story of David, there's some rumors that he was born out of an adulterous relationship. But none of us can actually confirm nor deny where he, how he was born. And I know it probably wasn't one of Jesse's brightest moments in his life because, you know, he, he, the, the situation where, Je, where David came into the picture was a little bit different. But that's still your son, though, right? I don't have kids yet, but I would have to understand, like, yo, but your son is still your son, right? Fathers, I mean, regardless of where it came from and how the situation is, like, that's, that's still your responsibility. But he says the runt. He's a runt. I, I went up and looked up a definition of what a runt means, and it literally meant, it's, I found this definition of this. A derogatory term, an undersized or inferior person. It was, the, it was the inferior person part that kind of got me a little like, oh, man, that's really messed up. Like, 
think about if you were David at this moment. Your father basically said, you're even less than ordinary, so there's no possible way you can be king. I'm not even bringing him to the party. Put on your spiritual imagination real quick, because this is what I do when I read the Bible. This is how it all looked to me. I have to imagine that that David was probably like he was out tending the sheep. That's what his father said. So he was out tending the sheep, doing what his father told him to do. He's out there tending the sheep, and he was like, okay. He probably saw some lights up at the house, and he saw some, some you know, horses and carriages pulling up. And he probably like, oh, man, uh, they, I, I, I heard uh, Samuel was in town. Uh, I guess something is going on at the house, but dad told me to watch the sheep, so I'm just going to watch the sheep. He probably is out there just shoveling the sheep dung, just trying to, like, you know, do his thing. He's trying to be responsible. But then, you know, next thing you know, he hears music going on. He's just like, yo, like I said, spiritual imagination. This is how my mind works when I'm reading. He hears music. He's like, oh, man, I love music. I'm a musician. I could have jumped in. I, I could have been a part, but, but you know, okay, cool. I'm going to handle my responsibility. The thing that probably would have triggered him, because it would have triggered me, is the moment when David would have been out in the field with the sheep and started smelling a sweet aroma of ribs and brisket and ribeyes. When he started smelling that sweet aroma, I mean, I'm, if, I'm, if I'm David, I'm like, well, wait, now, hold on, hold on. Y'all ain't about to just have a whole party without your boy, Charlotte. That's not what's about to happen. Listen, I, I probably, if knowing me, I probably would have, like, I, pro I probably would have went to the house, kicked down the door like I was Rambo, and just start throwing stuff all over the house. I would just start throwing stuff because my, 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 my FOMO would have got to me at that point. My phone would have got to me. And I would just be like, nah, man. No, nah, no, nah, you, you can't do this without me. Could you imagine the amount of insecurity David must have felt? Could you imagine the amount of rejection David must have felt in that moment? Like my own father didn't even think enough of me to bring me a plate. Didn't think enough of me to say, like, here, come in and at least join in, even though you ain't going to be the king, but come and join in. Well, let's hop back into the text. I'm, 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 that's, it, just, it just bothered me so much, church. It just bothered me. But let's go back to the text. It said, Samuel ordered Jesse, go get David. We're not going to move from this, this spot until he's here. Jesse sent for him. He was brought in the very picture of health, bright-eyed, good-looking. God said to, to Samuel, up on your feet. Anoint him. This is the one. Yeah. Samuel took the flask of oil and anointed him with his brothers standing and watching. So they were all standing around watching when the oil, put, when, when the horn was like tilted over him, the oil just flowed. It flowed all over him. While they were standing and watching, the spirit of God entered David like a rush of wind. God vitally empowering him the rest of his life. Samuel left and went home to Rimmel. Samuel left and went home to Rimmah. It doesn't say David left with him. It's just David had to still stay there, even though his anointing was changed. Even though God had God has said, you're going to be the next king, it wasn't like he was whisked off and, and taken to the palace so he can get his kingly training. No, he had to stay back. And a couple chapters later even says that David had to go back out to the field with the sheep. Now he all oily and dirty. Just back with the sheep. Because I, I believe that even though David was going to be king, God still had to take him through the process of becoming who he was supposed to be. God had to still take him through the process of learning the king that he was, that he was called to be. 
See, when David was out in the field, uh, when David was out in the field spending time with God, I think he was preparing him for his next season. I believe that when David was in the field with the sheep, he discovered what the X factor is. Y'all remember that equation, right? Ordinary plus equals. I believe that David figured out what that X was. The definition of an X factor is this, a variable in a given situation that could have the most significant impact on the outcome. David discovered while he was out in the field, tending to the sheep, doing what he was doing, that the X factor was simply spending time with God. The X factor was simply spending time in prayer, spending time in worship with God. He discovered that if I do these things, if I take my ordinary gifts, mix in a little prayer and a little worship, then something extraordinary is going to come from it. That's what David discovered. That's what he discovered. Um, and we see it. We see the impact of it. We see the impact of it in, in 1 Samuel 17. In 1 Samuel 17, when the, when the army of Israel was facing the, the Philistines, I'm, I'm going to go a little bit faster. Um, when the, when the army of Israel was facing the Philistines, David was bringing food to his brothers, right? He was bringing food to his brothers, and he was like, okay, I'm, I'm here. I'm seeing the battle because he was a little too young to fight. But if you know anything about David, he's a fighter. He wants all the smoke. He wants it all. So he's bringing the food to his brothers, and all he hears is a whole bunch of talk of fear. Everybody's scared in the camp because the Philistines are on one side of the valley, and the Israelites are on the other side, and they're just scared. Everybody is just shaking. Because for 40 days, this Philistine giant was in the valley taunting. Like, hey, we're not going to do this army against army thing. What we're going to do is y'all get y'all best fighter, and I'm going to stand right here. You Let him come fight me. If he wins, we'll become your slaves. If I win, y'all going to become my slaves. Listen, Goliath was about nine feet tall, 600 pounds. Now, some people say, Goliath was about 10 feet tall. Some people say eight, so I stuck with nine because that, that just felt safe to me. 600 pounds. I ain't gonna lie to y'all. I'm, I'm, I'm not saying I'm the toughest guy in the room. I don't walk around like that. I, but I can handle myself. I can handle myself pretty well, actually. I probably lost a fight or two in my whole life. But you ain't just about to run up on me. That's just not gonna happen. Like, that's just not what this is. But if I saw nine feet, 600 pounds, I would probably be like, cousin, I'm in the back like, yeah, no, nah, man, it ain't going to be my day today. I'm not going to meet my maker. That's not about to be me. Y'all can go ahead and somebody else can get themselves killed because it ain't going to be your boy. I would have been just like them. But the crazy thing about David, the crazy thing about David, the man was five foot. Some people say he was about 120 pounds. David started hearing this talk about, oh, wait, I'm not going to fight that giant. David said, oh, wait, hold on, man. I'm here for it. I'm here for all that. I can chop that tree down. That's what I can do. And it was just like, what, what would make a five-foot kid want to face a nine-foot giant? Ordinary plus what? Equals extraordinary. So the word gets back to Saul. And Saul, not even knowing who David is, says, hey, go get him. I don't care who wants to fight him. I'm just here for it because I'm tired of this. It's been 40 days. Saul says, go get David. And this is where it gets interesting. Soon as he saw David, soon as, soon as Saul saw David, he said, oh, there's no way that this ordinary kid can defeat this extraordinary giant. But what Saul didn't see is 
David had been on the backside of the mountain, tending to the father, to his father's sheep, spending time with the Lord. And when, when the sheep would begin to get attacked by, by a bear or a lion, literally, David, five foot, 120, he would literally, with his bare hands, go and kill a lion and a bear. I didn't grow up in the wilderness. I'm a city boy. I ain't never seen a lion in the, in the wild, and I've never seen a bear. But I can guarantee you, if I see one, I'm not going towards it. That sheep is gone. It's just that's just what it is. It's a wrap. Um, but he was he was protecting the uh, he was protecting the sheep, and he would kill the lion and the bear. And this this next passage of scripture shows us exactly why his mentality was the way it was um, when it came to fighting Goliath. He says. Your servant has killed both lions and bears, and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be like one of them. Since he has defied the armies of the living God, David said, David said, the Lord who saved me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will save me from the hand of this Philistine. So Saul said, go and may the Lord be with you. And I ain't gonna lie to you, man. Saul kind of a sucker, man. I don't even know if I can say that, but that's just what it was, man. I don't even know if I can say that. But that's what Saul was, man. Like, it's like, bro, you're going to send this kid. David was only about 13 to 15 years old. Saul, you are the king, and you say, well, yeah, may the Lord be with you. But it's just crazy because, like, David was probably looking at Goliath and saying, oh, well, when I was taking care of my father's sheep, I was taking care of my father's sheep, and when something came against them, I protected them, and God kept me. So in this situation, he probably looked at it and said, okay, I'm taking care of my father's children so I can go up against Goliath because God is going to, God is going to protect me here too. So, so, so when David was talking about, David knew, David knew Goliath did not have the X factor because it says in the scripture that, it says in the scripture that Saul was an, un, I mean, uh, Goliath was an uncircumcised Philistine. Circumcision at that time, if you had, I don't know if we have any Jewish people here, but if, if, if you were circumcised at that time, that showed your covenant with God. It was an outward expression of it. He said, he said Goliath was an uncircumcised Philistine, so Goliath didn't have any backup. He knew he didn't have an X factor to fight for him. You get what I'm saying? Does that make sense? So when David said the, the God that saved me from the paw of the lion and the bear, he was speaking to his intimate relationship with God. The intimate relationship that gave him the courageous boldness to go against whatever came against him. See, I believe that when David was going through the process of intimacy, God was training his hands how to battle. Just like in, in Psalm 144, when David says, he trains my hands to battle and my fingers to war. I mean, he's trained my hands for war and my fingers to battle. During that process of intimacy, David learned exactly what God had uniquely designed him to do. David had the Mamba mentality. Anybody know, anybody, Kobe Bryant fans? Kobe Bryant fans? So listen, if you don't know about Kobe Bryant, he was one of the greatest of all time, even though I'm not a Kobe fan. He was one of the greatest of all time, and he said every time that he was stepping on the court, he was going to assassinate anyone that was in front of him. That was the confidence he had in the gift that God had given him. And I believe that's what David had. David said, like, I don't care what it looks like, I'm going to smoke him. That's just what it is. And that's why it's important to lean into the X factor in your everyday life, but especially when you're going through battles. Especially when you're going through hard times and trials and tribulations. Especially when you're going through things that don't feel comfortable. Because what happens is, people will see the God-given gifts that you carry, but they'll also see what you're going up against. 
and they'll look at you and say, all right, well, how about you do it this way? Or how about you take my advice? Or how, you, how about you do it the way that I do it? And honestly, most of the time, that's really just because they want you to do it that way because at the end of the day, they want to say, hey, it was because of me that you actually won anyway. That's what they want to do. But, but we see how that played out in this next, this next scripture right here. Go to um, 1 Samuel 17, 38 through 40. It says, Then Saul gave David his own armor, a bronze helmet, a coat of mail. David put it on, strapped the sword over it. He took a step or two to see what it was like, for he had never worn such things before. And David said, I can't go in these. David knew what he was made for. David said, I know I've been called to be king, but I don't think I'm going to be a king like Saul was king. But he thought, well, let me just try it on. As soon as he started taking steps, he said, no, I, I, I can't go in these because I'm uncomfortable. He protested to Saul, I'm not used to them. So David took them off. He picked up five smooth stones from a stream. And he put him in a shepherd's bag. Then armed with only his shepherd's staff and a sling, he started across the valley to fight the Philistine. So I'm going to speed walk through this one because I'm pretty sure we all have some knowledge of this story. So David goes to the valley. Staff, sling. He goes down there. He starts swirling at it. He put one rock in it. Just one rock. He starts swirling it, swirling it, swirling it. It says that David released the stone with the accuracy and power of a Colt 45 handgun. And it hit literally the middle of his forehead. It hit him. Goliath fell face down. David went over, cut the head off. End of the war. End of it. It's right there. It's done. It's finished. Sometimes what you're carrying might look a little insignificant. It might not look like it like, might not look like much to other people. Because I'm pretty sure when he was going down into the valley, those even his own brothers was there. Saul was there. They all probably looked at David and said, like, what does he think he's about to do against this giant? His brother was probably looking at it like, man, what are we going to tell dad tonight? That he went down there and then fought Goliath and then he's going to ask us, well, why didn't we go fight with him? Man, I'm not about to be dead too. They might have been looking at him like, yeah, what you carry doesn't really matter. It's just ordinary. It has no power. And I'm sure like all of us, all of us have probably heard the lies of the enemies in our own ears saying, why don't you just give up? You'll never be good enough. You're, 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 you're inadequate. You can't do it. I want to tell you like this. I want to tell you like this. The devil is a liar. Because when you begin to spend time with the one who created you, when you begin to spend time with the one who formed you, before you, the one that, you, that knew you before you were even formed in your mother's womb, there is nothing no devil in hell can do to stop the plan that God has for your life. It doesn't matter about what they think that you carry. It doesn't matter about what they think about what you carry. As long as you know that what you're carrying came from the X factor, no weapon formed against you will prosper. No weapon of fear, no weapon of comparison, no weapon of anxiety, no weapon of rejection, nothing can stop it. And the only reason why I'm, 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 I, can, I can sit here and I can say it, and I, can't, I can say it and I don't have to be like, oh, well, maybe that's, you know, good, that's good in theory. No, I can sit there and say that just because, like, this week I had to still kind of wrestle with some of that stuff, right? Because, like, uh, um, I'm going to get a little vulnerable. Is that all right with y'all today? <sighs> this week I, I was getting ready to, to, to teach this message, and, and, and it was like uh, familiar spirits came back around, meaning familiar spirits, meaning uh, a spirit that, like, uh, that, that, was, that wasn't, this wasn't the first time I felt this thing. 
this wasn't the first time I felt it. I felt this before. Like I was getting ready to pre- I was getting ready to do this message, and and the, and the spirit of of comparison started to come all over me. It was like it was trying to like overtake me. The spirit of timidity started to overtake me. The spirit of doubt began to like weigh so heavily on my mind. I was like I was like I didn't know I didn't necessarily know what I was gonna do. I started hearing I started hearing these whispers in my head because like the last time I taught was probably the first time that I actually felt like I didn't throw up all over myself. The last time I taught, I was like, okay, the Lord used me. Because in worship, sometimes I, I, I can feel it. I, I mean, you might know. Because I'm like, when, I'm, when I get in worship, sometimes I, it's like I'm levitating. I'm like, I'm like, oh, man, I'm in a pocket. The X factor is taking over. But when, I, when I've taught, I've never actually felt that until the last time I taught. And I was like, oh, man, God used me today. I felt, I felt good. I was like, all right, you know, God, just, you know, keep doing it. But then I started hearing these whispers while I was prepping this one and saying, hey, hey, homie. You know that was a one-time thing, right? Everybody has a good day sometimes. Stick to singing. That was a fluke. I started literally hearing, back to life, back to re-. That's literally what I was hearing in my head, like, oh, this is about to be bad. <laughs> this is about to be a bad one. This is about to be a bad one. But I knew, like, after the last time I taught, I said, well, if God did it then, can't he do it again? well if God did it before he can do it now so what I started doing was this this is what I started doing because I learned about my x-factor I started like well, this is what I do I started pacing and I started praying I started pacing and I started praying because when I start praying I start pacing and when I get really deep in prayer I know I'm tapping into my x-factor Okay, and, and, and when I started tapping into my X factor, those lies that the enemy was trying to tell me began to be drowned out by this. Ordinary plus X equals extraordinary. Ordinary plus X equals extraordinary. The lies started being drowned out, and, I, and, and God began to tell me things like this. He said, he said, son, the last time when you taught wasn't your end. It's just the beginning. He said, I'm preparing you to teach and see chains fall off. I'm preparing you to preach and see lives resurrected. I'm preparing you to teach and see addiction broken. I'm I'm preparing you to stand there flat-footed and say, I don't care who's coming against me. No devil in hell can stop. No devil in hell can stop me. Because Philippians 1 and 6 says this. Philippians 1 and 6 says this. Listen. He who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete the work to the day of Jesus Christ. He said, son, he said, son, I'm not done with you yet. I'm not done with you yet. So you better just get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready. Because eyes haven't seen, ears haven't heard, neither has it entered into the hearts of man what I have in store for you. It is because the dependence on the X factor that will bring your ordinary message to make an extraordinary impact. He said, God was telling me, he said, son, as long as you never forget that this place of intimacy, this place of prayer, this place of worship in your life, as long as you never forget it, no mountain will ever be too big for you to climb. Because I am with you. So what I'm saying is this, we all have gifts in this church. We all have gifts, but it's about what you do with them that makes the difference. 
it's about what you choose to do. If you, if you choose to say, God, I know I have this, but you meet him in your quiet place and say, God, show me how to use it. God, anoint it afresh. Do what only you can do. When you spend time with the X Factor, when you take your gift, when you take your gift and say, God, here it is, he'll make that ordinary gift into an extraordinary impact. I guarantee he'll do it. been talking about gifts that can be on this platform and I think that's probably what got a few of you confused right now actually now we're gonna skate a little bit I believe God wants to use the gifts you have out here just as much if not even more than the gifts that are up here yeah yeah because there's gifts in this room like the gift of hospitality I'm so glad y'all here today. I saw Katie when she came in today. Greg and Katie Masick. Oh, man. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, since, the, since the first time I met them, especially Katie, I'm, I'm, she, if you see Katie, she'll smile, she'll give you a hug, and you'll feel the love of God. I don't care what you're going through that day. And I'm not saying everybody just start hugging Katie after service because she might not want that. But... But I just remember when I first met her and it was just like, oh man, like she just has such a hospitable spirit and just, it just makes me feel the love of God. And, and, and then to go even further, when we first were starting, I think it was probably us, um, maybe Brad, and it was, a, it was Eb, we all, we, we, I remember it was probably about what, 10 of us? 10 of us, we went to the Masics home and we went in the basement, their house was being remodeled upstairs and we ate like little, uh, barbecue sliders and all types of stuff and we just sat around the table just dreaming about this right here right now and not did we just go to their home but they also said hey we have like this barn we have this barn over here how many of you remember the barn yeah yeah that barn was sweaty and, and smelly sometimes but it was a good time I guarantee you the Holy Spirit is in the barn um but they said hey if you got we don't have anywhere to go yet they said hey come use this barn and honestly, if it had not been for Katie and Greg opening their home up and saying, come in and use whatever we have and be family, we would not be here today for a city church. So no, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I know it's God. I know it's God, but he used you. God used you. There's some people that have the gift of creativity. Like you got Mims, you got, you got uh, Mark, you got all types of crazy people in this room. My wife, she's right there. I'm, I'm going to pick on her again. Um, my wife would never want to get up here and actually speak. That's not her thing. But she's one of the most gifted writers I have ever seen in my life. She's one of, and I'm not just saying that because we're together. I'm not saying that. She literally, she's working on this, this book that'll be out. Well, not a book. It's a book for the church. It's a call to magazine. Um, um, that helps us like understand the culture of who we are as Forest City Church. She's writing it right now and it's absolutely amazing. She's like one of the greatest and God wants to use that gift just as much as he wants to use anything happening up here. And then there's this, this, this gift of uh, generosity. Ooh, see how quiet that got? See how quiet that got? Yeah, I know, I know. Um, there's a gift of generosity and I know we're not about to pass the baskets again so don't chill out, chill out, <laughs> loosen up a little bit. 
But there is the gift of generosity. And there's a couple families here. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna call everybody out. But there are a couple families here that since the beginning, since we started this thing, have been helping us, like helping us keep this mission going. And I and I'm and I'm truly grateful and I'm truly appreciative of every single one of y'all that have been stepping in with generosity. But that's not a gift that should be relocated to the 40 plus club. That's from babies. I've been I've been giving offerings since I was like this big. Babies and seniors, that's what we are called to do. We're, suppo we're supposed to be generous. Let me take a commercial break because it's feeling a little tight in here real quick. Hold on. By the show of hands, how many of y'all actually believe in what we're doing as Forest City Church? Okay. All right. Okay. This kind of place does not happen by accident. A place that truly embodies the first commandment, loving the Lord with all your heart, mind, and soul, and the second commandment, loving your neighbor as yourself. This kind of place does not happen by accident. Okay? A church, a church that is on, on the right side of racial reconciliation, and believe me, I'm not talking about the right wing. Hear me. I'm talking about the right side morally. That, 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 that chooses to align themselves with the way of Jesus Christ when it comes to the things of racial reconciliation. Listen, I'm a black man. 100%. That's my culture. That's who I am. Period. And I serve under white leadership. There better be some racial reconciliation happening in this piece. That's just what it is. It ain't nothing else to talk about. Because I couldn't do it if it wasn't. That's just the truth. We believe that, that through your generosity, we can continue to be this place, the place that empowers and releases women, like Andy, like CP Bree, like Saray in the back. Like we, we, are, we, are, we believe in empowering and releasing the people, the women that will help us move this ministry forward, but it does not happen by accident. God wants to use you and your gift of generosity. There's somebody right here in this room right now, and I, I guarantee it. You can write a $300,000 $300, check, and it don't even hurt you. It's just like, all right, yeah, that's it. Here you go. Take it and be blessed. God wants to use that for us to continue to do what we want to do. There's a lot of things that we want to do in this campus, but we need your generosity to step in. Amen, church? Amen, church? I know it's tight, but it's right. It's tight, but it's right. So... It's another group that you might just be like, yeah, I don't necessarily know what my gifting is because, I mean, I haven't, I don't, all of them buckets that you talked about, I don't fit in any of them. That's a beautiful thing, too. Because I believe that if you begin to spend time with the one who created you, if you begin to spend time with the one who, 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 who defined your purpose in life before the foundations of the world was made, I believe, honestly, he'll show you exactly what you were created to do. But you got to tap into your X factor. So some of you might be like, hey, what does that look like? What does it look like to tap into an X factor? What does it look like to lean into it? This week, I want to challenge all of us before we get to the prayer and fasting um, message uh, next week, a uh, series next week. This week, uh, Monday through Saturday or Monday through Sunday, your first 15 minutes of the day, spend it with them. Before you get on Instagram, before you get on the stock market, before you, you start checking email, before you start doing anything else, your, your text messages, whatever, spend that 15 minutes with them in prayer. 
If you, if you don't want to wake your spouse up because they worked overnight, get out and go to a different room. My wife, she goes to the bathroom. But, I mean, she calls heaven down when she's in that bathroom. It's crazy. And, like, I love hearing it. It's amazing. But go and find, find, find some time. Even set your alarm clock so you can get up just a little bit earlier so you can spend time with them. And if you're saying, well, I don't know how to pray like that yet, go to, uh, it got to be Matthew 6, 9 through 13. Recite the Lord's Prayer. Recite the Lord's Prayer. Start by doing that. And then after you recite that, just start talking to them. Have the conversation. Say, hey, God, they told me at church this weekend, if I start talking to you, if I start spending time with you, you'll start talking back to me and showing me who I am. It's that simple. It's that simple, church. So that's what I want to challenge us to do this week because I believe if we do that, then next week once we start this new series, this place is absolutely going to explode with prayer in this house. This will be a house of prayer. Tap into your X Factor, church. All right? Did this bless anybody today? Did it? Okay. Cool. Um, I'm a little late. I'm going to just close. Um, I will. Well, everybody stand. Everybody stand. I want to give y'all just 30 seconds to respond because we're, we're late. Let me give y'all 30 seconds to respond. Let's, let's get, I put my faith in Jesus. Come on. My anchor to the ground. Come on, sing it out, church. My hope and... You've been listening to a message by Carrington Gaines titled X Factor. 